0: welcome to this week's episode of the raise to empower podcast my guest today is Nicole Lewis Kieber. She is the business therapist, author of How to Love Your Business, and creator of the Do No Harm program for trauma conscious entrepreneurs. She's passionate about the impact of small t trauma on businesses and combines therapeutic processes with business coaching to help entrepreneurs build emotionally sustainable, financially stable businesses. Nicole has a rich and varied experience as a therapist. She's trained and certified with Brene Brown's Dare to Lead methodology and has also been featured on numerous media outlets, including Fast Company and NPR for her work in breaking the stigma of mental health and business ownership. Nicole, I'm excited to have the opportunity to chat with you here today.
1: I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So, I know you're a
0: licensed clinical social worker like me. How did you get into that field? And then how did that eventually morph into the work that you're doing now with entrepreneurs?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I honestly feel like social work too. I don't, yes. <laughs> I don't really know that anyone's running a tour, <laughs> running into social that's work. A of,
0: that's a great way of saying it.
1: <laughs> a little bit of childhood trauma, a little bit yeah. of conditioning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, you know, honestly, I, I think that I grew up a very sensitive kid. Um, I have learned as a 52 year old adult that all of that was probably ADHD and (laughs) um, a little bit of a dysregulated nervous system. So, um, I was just really sensitive. And so it, the, you know, the emotions of people around me mattered to me, um, I had a learning difference in school. So being in school was, was hard. And so I yeah. think I just became just really acutely aware of my environment and my place in it and other people's place in it. Sure. And also I I I would not say I, I'm not like a really religious person now, but I did grow up in a Southern Baptist household where it's really geared towards being a service, like you know though. Yeah. The idea around Southern Baptists' missionary work. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's not a coincidence. I don't think that my sister, I'm a social worker. My older sister's a special education sure. uh, teacher, and my younger sister's a speech pathologist. So yeah. we all went into service space. helpers. <laughs> We're all helpers. <laughs> um, and I just honestly never really saw myself doing anything else. I didn't know what social work was, but I knew I wanted mm-hmm. to help people. And I also really, because of my own childhood trauma and experiences I had, I really wanted to help other people not feel the way that I did. And so I kept an eye towards that type of career. And as I got older and then, you know, no one expected me to go to college. That was a surprise. But um, as I got older, I I always thought, well, I'll be in some kind of work that helps people who need Yeah. And as I finally got into college and started to play around with the degrees that might be possible, social work revealed itself after some really crappy psychology classes. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. It was really divine to see this degree and this field of work that just seemed to fit very well.
0: Now, when you were starting out in the field, did you know that you wanted to go the clinical direction and to focus on entrepreneurs and business, or did that come about later?
1: I had no idea about any of that, but I did know that I wanted it to be a clinical program. I knew that I wanted to be a therapist. I was Mm. always very clear about that. So, um, when I graduated my undergraduate and started looking at graduate schools, all of them were clinical tracks. Cause I knew I, you know, I fancied myself having my own little office and my yeah. own, yeah, you know, little name plate outside the door. Um, so that was always the track for me. So I did choose clinical and, you know, this, this journey I'm on now um, working with small business owners and entrepreneurs and leaders, that was not yeah. even, on the radar for me, whatsoever. That's just happened within the last eight years. But I always knew I wanted to be a clinician and have worked in, gosh, you name it, I've done it. Like I've done EAP services for military. I've worked yeah. in, you know, um, substance abuse disorders. Um, I've had a private practice. I've I've done just about everything, but worked with children. It's just I knew, based upon my own history, that working sure. with children would be too painful. Sure. Um, sure. So, but I've done just about everything else.
0: And I know you trained with Brene Brown, which her work has been instrumental in my personal life and also in my life and work with clients. How has that shaped the work that you're doing with entrepreneurs?
1: It really has. It So Brene was on my radar before I left um, clinical practice because I'm no longer practicing as a therapist. Pretty much okay. everything I do now is... I call it therapeutic coaching, um, yeah. but it's, you know, it's some kind of weird little hybrid thing that that I have developed. Um, but she was on my radar before then because she was a social worker and she was talking right. about shame and vulnerability and doing this research. And anyone who's seen her talk or heard her talk, she's a very dynamic speaker. Yeah. She's funny. She's irreverent. And I just loved her because I was like, okay, so you can be a social worker and do this. This is interesting. Yeah. And so it kind of opened my my mind a bit to what could be possible. But I did get to my business in the same old-fashioned way everyone else does with burnout. So I, bur- yeah. <laughs> I burnt out, you know, and had to find something new to do. So um, that's how the coaching business for me started to um, unfold in front of me. Yeah. So I was already aware of her work. But when I started working and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute, but when I started doing what I do with small business owners and entrepreneurs, her work was very aligned with mine because I always say, she says, who you are is how you lead. And I say, self-leadership is where it all starts. It's not about what you can get other people to do. It's not about, you know, running a a meeting or any of those things. If you can't lead yourself, you can't lead other people effectively. And sure. that comes down to a lot of what I was working with was um, entrepreneurs. Was they were having difficulty in leading themselves, and so yeah. that leading their teams was not working out very well. But the reason was because they were having you know it, challenges with childhood you know, trauma showing up. But that's what Brené's talking about too. I mean, shame and vulnerability are directly yeah. connected, um, you know, with trauma. And when I first started my business and started to recognize that you know trauma and business were directly in entrepreneurship and business ownership had a very strong link that a lot of people had not realized um, and i started talking about the trauma and entrepreneurship connection i got a lot of negative feedback i got negative really? feedback yes from therapists who said you can't talk about trauma outside of you know the office interesting coaches who didn't want to talk about trauma because yeah. they wanted it to be all mindset work and i'm like yeah, yeah. it's work that way um, and so I leaned heavily on Brene's words that, you know, around, you just have to call a thing, a thing. And if it's yeah. shame and it's, if it's shame, it's shame. And for me, it was, if it's trauma, it's trauma. We have to call it what it is yeah. so that we can identify it, call it out and begin to help people with what it is. So early days in my business were a little bit of a struggle with that. People were more open to talking about trauma, the intersection of trauma. Yeah. And mental health in out any spaces outside of just home sure. and relationships. But it was hard for a while. So I leaned heavily on like, well, Brene did it.
0: Brene yeah.
1: re- <laughs> Brene refused to call it anything else besides yeah. shame. You know, yeah. when people tried to tell her, well, we would love for you to come talk, but please don't use the word don't shame. And she goes <laughs> and she's like, well, I'm not your girl. Right, and right. Same thing for me. And like I'm not going to call it stress. I'm not going to call it I'm not going to call it anything other than what it is. That's a long answer to say that it's very, very aligned. And she's the only person who I would take time and energy away from my own body of work Mm. to facilitate. Like she's it. And and she's the only person I would do that for.
0: So as you started going into the work with entrepreneurs, did you Know to look for trauma, or was it something that, as you started working and supporting people, you were recognizing, oh, this is a common thing going on, and this is how it's showing up for people in their businesses.
1: When I started my business, I actually started out as a money mindset coach. I had gotten training on money mindset coaching. yeah. and um I started to see that the mindset tips and tricks don't work for a lot of people. And the reason it doesn't work is because it's, it's trauma. It's not a mindset challenge. Mm. Um, I'm like, it's a trauma response, not a mindset shift that needs to happen here. Um, And so I got really curious about that because I think a lot of the people who were attracted to working with me as a money mindset coach were attracted to me because I had been a therapist. And I think that that gave them permission to talk about other things and as they began to talk about other things, because they hadn't done therapy for themselves, but they were willing to do the work for their business, which is so fascinating to me. And so I started to see more and more that they had trauma embroiled in their money. And I started to look and see like, okay, there's trauma response patterns that are playing sure. out in their businesses as well. Yeah. And of course, as a you know, clinician sees therapy and trauma, they're going to
0: right follow right. the
1: breadcrumbs you can't not see it right and so <laughs> right. I was like okay well if you can have trauma and money you can have trauma in your business and but the the real kind of pivotal change moment came for me at about two years into my own business where I recognized that I had been recreating childhood trauma patterns in my own business and that's when mm. that really the aha moment really happened that yeah. that changed my work away from money mindset to what I do now, because I had a a thriving business. I was contributing to my household. I was making more than I did as a social worker. So everything was working. Everything was doing fine. But I woke up every day feeling like a failure. I woke up every day feeling like they aren't happy, like whoever the visible they are. Yeah, I was starting to dread Mondays. It was me, you know, like yeah. Taylor says I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah, <laughs> it was, right. It was me. <laughs> so I, you know, I started reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And I talk about this in my book, How to Love Your Business. And there was a story in there that's not important now. You can read about it if you want to. Um, that gave me this aha moment when I realized, okay, so my business feels like it is an abusive parent Mm. and I realized that I had created a dynamic between me and my business that was abusive and I was recreating those trauma
0: patterns
1: Mm -hmm. that I had with my mom who was a very abusive caregiver and I had made my business my mother and so I was like this is so messed up (laughs) 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 like who does that (laughs) yeah yeah so I I recognized it and I was like okay so if I can create this dysfunctional relationship. I can Hmm. mend it. I can repair it. And how do I want to do that? And so I started to work on developing how to repair and create more of an intentional relationship so that my business could be a partner and support as opposed to like this demanding and demeaning energy in my life. And and that was like a very pivotal moment in the work that I do now, because I was like, okay, so you can recreate childhood trauma.
0: Yeah. In your
1: business and like literally use your business to abuse yourself. Like that's fascinating. So.
0: And you're the one creating it. It's not like somebody else is like making that happen. No
1: one else was there. It was all me.
0: So I know you said that is part of the work that you do with clinicians and entrepreneurs and business owners. So what does your work look like? Like if somebody is coming to you, do they know they have childhood trauma or is that kind of like the secondary piece that they're coming to deal with, you know, and work through with
1: you. Yeah, they don't always know that they have trauma because as you probably know, trauma is not we don't really understand it right as a culture. Um, nor do we make space for it at all. Right. So Um, I think they recognize that there's something happening that's familiar to them. Sure. Again, and they're finding it playing out in their business, whether it's through, you know, money or employees or clients or, or whatever it may be like, they're finding like, Oh, I'm here again. Like, this is not what I thought I signed up for, or they're ready to close their business and start over. They just want to burn it down regardless of how successful it is. They just aren't happy. So they don't always know it's childhood trauma, but they know it's something that's consistent. And so I do a lot of education and a lot of the work I do around trauma and what it is, because as a society, you know, I call it big T, little T. I know a lot of people have challenges with, you know, different definitions of trauma, but I have found that lay people kind of appreciate and understand that. Sure. But if I were to take this, my cure and go outside And stop people in the street and ask them what trauma is, they would say domestic violence or, you know, a catastrophic illness or you got mugged or like any of these real acute big T type of things like violence and abuse. But they wouldn't recognize that growing up in a school system that didn't know how to teach a kid who was learning disabled like me, that that is trauma. Yeah. Or, you know, moving around a lot that that can be trauma or being, you know, having a parent who's chronically ill. So you have to step in and be more of a parent, like all of those things being bullied in the schoolyard, like all these things can be traumatic to us. And a lot of people don't realize that these seemingly insignificant situations that they've been in actually do. Create adaptations and responses, and that your nervous system doesn't really care what you call it.
0: Right? It doesn't
1: <laughs> care what you call it—big T, small T, developmental. It doesn't right. care, right? It has changed how you see yourself, what you believe is um, available to you. You have created an adaptation in some way to survive the thing,
0: yeah. and
1: all of those things impact how we see ourselves as adults, and it impacts our feelings, our thoughts, our behaviors. It impacts your business. As well, So a lot of education has to happen up front to give people the permission to say, oh, I just thought that everybody had a rough childhood. I didn't know that that thing was was actually trauma and that it's not my fault that I'm still struggling with it or that it's difficult for me to trust people. And then, you know, delegate to my employees because I have had my trust wounded. And so it's really difficult for me to trust people. So yeah, they don't. They're not walking. To, hey Nicole. Well, I mean, they kind of are now <laughs> because I'm because I'm around, and now people right. are you know talking about it, but not typically. It's typically yeah. I'm so fed up, and I just I need help. And then my business coach doesn't understand what I need emotionally. My therapist doesn't understand my business,
0: yeah. and
1: I I need help. Something has to change.
0: We've all been told we need to network in our private practice, but no one actually tells us how to do it or what to say. Enter Comprehensive Connecting, effective scripts that expand your networking community and actually fill your online practice. This free guide will give you effective scripts to connect with fellow clinicians, medical professionals, and community stakeholders to build strong networking relationships that will help fill your practice. In this guide, you will get tips and tricks for building relationships that will lead to referrals in your practice, real-life examples of messages used to connect with referral sources, and customizable plug-and-send scripts for your specific practice needs. So download your free scripts guide today by going to bit.ly forward slash comp connecting. So I know you work with a variety of different types of business owners, and you also work with clinicians as part of that as a subset. Are there common ways that you've noticed that trauma shows up amongst like clinicians or group practice owners, or maybe it, it doesn't, it's the same across the board, but are there things that you have noticed and that maybe like someone who's listening, who again, may not identify that they have trauma, but they're like, oh, that that actually does sound like me, things that you see happening within our profession.
1: Yeah, like I, I really, honestly, it's not that different than what I see with business owners and entrepreneurs. Um, I think that everyone has a deeper, why I call it a deeper why? I wrote an ebook course called The Three Whys. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a deeper why it's kind of like this, you had this experience that changed something in you and Mm -hmm. created a desire to do something and you can often see the connection between some kind of childhood trauma or experience that created the desire to be the boss to be in control or to be the one that helps other people. And I yes. see that with my entrepreneurs all the time. Like we can we can link back with this germ of our entrepreneurship back to some experience where they felt unseen, unse- unheard, unsafe, and the desire for control began. And a high level of resilience for discomfort, you need that as an entrepreneur. But what I see with the clinicians is that, and this was my story too, like we had experience where, maybe we felt unseen, unsafe, unheard, and yeah. we wanted to help other people. And so our curiosity about how we can help ourselves put us on this journey to being a therapist. I haven't met a therapist yet that didn't have some kind of messed up stuff <laughs> that calls <caused> them <laughs> to be a therapist. Like if you, if you, if you're a therapist and the, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have our stuff. <laughs> we all have our stuff. You would have to. Um, and it really, I think that with the clinicians that, I think sometimes they haven't unpacked that fully Mm. when it, because we rush into wanting to help other people sometimes before we do our own work fully. Yeah. Or at least to a a degree that it needs to be. And so they've started a business before they were emotionally ready to hold the business, because that means you have to hold the clients, you have to hold the money, you have to hold the processes, you have to hold the clients, the employees, everything. Um, And so they haven't really under, they haven't really looked at, okay, so why did I become a therapist? Like, what am I trying to do here? Why did I start a practice? You know, what, what am I trying to do here? Like, what need is, um, am I trying to meet with being a business owner? Is it because I want to prove something to someone or I want to be in control? Yeah. There's always something. And my clients will say to me, I wish my therapist would take your program because I see my therapist recreating really abusive patterns in their business. And the way wow. they do this is poor boundaries, not charging enough or having a real difficult relationship with money. Yeah, um, difficulty trusting either um, their you know employees or sometimes themselves. Yeah. Um, so there's there's several ways. in the research I was doing at the beginning of my my work, there were categories where I, I, gosh, I've had probably a thousand conversations with entrepreneurs now, but at that point, I think I've had about 300. And there were categories that rose up to the surface for everybody. And it was a difficulty with trust, difficulty with boundaries, difficulty with visibility and difficulty with money. Yeah, And I've seen that with the clinicians. I've seen it with entrepreneurs, everyone.
0: Well, no, it's interesting. Like, as you were like Listing off the things that you know your clients have said they notice in their their therapists, right? Of like where, you know, yeah, it's impacting their business, right? Like the thing of boundaries or you know not setting fees. And I would think, oh my goodness, that's something so many of us struggle with. And we again, we may not be linking it to a trauma because we mm-hmm. we haven't maybe done the work or we're just not associating it with that. But yeah, that probably goes back to something, right? I, was raised in a similar background as you of, you know, we're supposed to help. Right. And that's so much of what our profession preaches too. Right. Like how many of us have been told by some professor, well, you don't go into this for the money. Um, Right. (laughs) And, and so then how much does that screw with us? What, you know, when we're like, Oh, well, you know, I feel bad charging what I I need to make or charging for that late cancellation or, you know, not offering that session outside of a time that works, you know, for me. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you were talking about where you recognized this relationship that you had essentially created in your business, where Mm -hmm. it was this abusive relationship. How did you heal that? How did you change that for yourself to, to not have it be this contentious, abusive relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. It's still going on. Yeah. Um, you know, I do my work every day with people and with myself. Um, but what I did initially is I said to myself, I'm like, okay, so if I can create it to be this, certainly, you know, I can develop the relationship that I want if I'm intentional yeah. about it. And so I thought about, well, oh, how do I want to feel? Like, no one ask you how you want to feel about your business. Yeah. I asked myself, how do I want to feel in my business? Um, I recognize that it's something outside of me that I'm relating to. And that's how this dynamic was you know, kind of put in place. So you know, how do I want to feel? How do I want to be supported? Mm-hmm. And so I just wrote down a list of all the attributes that I would like for my business to have as opposed to that. Sure. Um, how I'd like to feel, how I'd like the partnership to be. And then I was thinking to myself, well, you know, it's going to be helpful to me for it to have some tangible form so I can relate to it ongoing. And so I created the Muppet of Christmas present was yeah. the spirit of a Christmas present for the Muppet movie was my entity because I was like, I need to feel like I'm not alone here. Yeah. So and for my business at the time, it was important for for, because it was such a serious topic for me to felt supported I needed male support in my life so mm-hmm. the, that male bigger than life you know mm-hmm. um I needed that um I wanted there to be levity because it was such a hard topic and I'm not a serious person so I needed yeah. some levity um I wanted that big energy of um kind of like the founder of the feast philanthropy you know like yeah. the benefactor and so when you think about The Ghost of Christmas Present and the Muppet version of it is much more to my My life favorite. Yeah, Yeah. he's (laughs) great. I have a picture. I love him so much. He understands that our past informs is important. We need to look at it, and that our future is formed by what happens right now, Mm and that all of these things are important. And so for me, I felt that I could relate to him, and that on days where I want to beat myself up, I could look at that picture, and he was like, "Mm -mm, "No, I won't let you do that." And I wrote a letter to my, a love letter to my business with all Mm -hmm. my appreciation and my commitment to it. And I had it write one back to me, which of course I had to write, but still I imagined what it would say and just really developed this relationship that could be continued and built upon so that Mm -hmm. I know I'm never alone. Even though I'm a business of one, I am never alone because my business has its own life and its own desires Um, And it wants to support me. It wants to be the benefactor. It wants to be all those things. It does not want to be Scrooge or, you know, abusive parents. It doesn't want that for me.
0: It's interesting. As I was listening to you talk about that, what's fascinating and interesting to me is I think so many of us as business owners, there's almost like this enmeshed identity with our business. And like, I am my business. I mean, and there is a, A piece of that, right? We're like we are the face of our business, you know. But I, but I love hearing you talk about it as this separate being and Mm -hmm. this, this other entity, and that it has its own life force. And just thinking about it in that way, like I almost feel like I can breathe a little bit easier. Like just sitting here talking to you, that it's I am not my business. It feels like that a lot of times, Mm -hmm. but that it can be its own thing and have its own personality in some ways, right. And its own being and that, yeah, it doesn't, I don't have to be the be all end all and like take on the identity of that, especially when it doesn't always feel good.
1: Absolutely. I I think it's one of the most liberating things that happened for me and all of the clients I've taken through, these processes um as well as like in our kiddo work you know as well because when the thing that makes us think that we are our business is that we have those younger versions of us in the room Uh with us you know that have feelings and opinions about what we're doing but you know I've taken gosh I've taken people through this in retreats people have read my book like it's yeah um Cause it's all in there, you know, what I do and it is a beautiful transformation that happens for people when they'll say, you know, my, my business is the, you know, it's the spirit of my grandmother because she's always mm. my biggest fan Or it was this, you know, oak tree that was in, you know, my, my yard growing up that I always felt safe and secure with, or a goddess or an animal. Like it it always, it's my favorite thing ever to take people through this process and find out like who their business is and how they're going to relate to it and read the love letters. Because once you have the relationship, then you get to build the life, right? You get to decide like, what is our mission and vision for the work that we're doing? Yeah. How do we make decisions? How do, how does this inform my values and my um boundaries and the money yeah. that I make? So it's really difficult to do all of this stuff if you haven't developed the relationship first. And so yeah. I think that that's so important.
0: No. And I, as I'm listening to you talk through all of this, you know, a lot of the women that I work with are, the sole breadwinner and they're kind of going out on their own to start their own practice, or they are a mom who like, they're leaving some other kind of work to, to start a business because they want to have more time, freedom and flexibility. But I think, and I know like for myself, just sitting here talking with you, like that part of defining my business separate from myself was not something I started with when I started my business. And I think a lot of times there is, I don't know. I don't see this as much among men, but I see among women of like, we have to prove something Mm -hmm. and that we can do this and that like, we can make this thing work and we can have this successful business. We don't need to be beholden to this other entity, but then again, it becomes, we self-identify with that business and that pressure then that we're putting on ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's like this other beast kind of like on our back.
1: Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. And um, in my framework for the three wives, it is like this inner keto work is if your business is in a is was created to help you prove something mm. because you felt something you know, felt like you needed to prove yourself. Whenever you reach that goal that was supposed to prove something, it's not going to land for you in your nervous system. You're just going to put the goalpost yeah. further down. Yeah. And so I want people to know that your business, you can actually feel things about your business and you're, you can, you know, feel proud and have confidence about something that you do in your business if you know what it is that that business represents yeah. for you. And people will say to me, I want financial freedom and I want time freedom. But then they recreate the business or the job they just left in their business with no yeah. flexibility. Yeah. Um, In fact, often they make it worse. I was giving a, a keynote on this several years back and a woman in the audience said to me, she said, she's like, I feel very called out right now because she said, I work from a kitchen table in a broken chair on a laptop and I'm constantly moving around to get out of people's way And I'm trying to run my business this way. And she said, if I worked for a boss who gave me a broken chair and no (laughs) office, she's like, I would quit immediately. And she said, but yet I am not, I'm not giving myself the same respect and, and room. And I'm not, I'm not holding my business in like that it's important to me. I'm trying to like fly under the radar and not bother anybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which again, we wouldn't let somebody else who's like paying us to (laughs) treat us that way, but we do that to ourselves. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So how, I know you wrote a book, uh, how to love your business. How Mm -hmm. did that come about for you?
1: It wouldn't leave me alone. I am <laughs> much better verbally than I am written when it comes to processing information and, and you know, putting it out into the world. Um, it really is about that experience that I had that felt very magical that mm. opened my eyes to the fact that I was recreating, a you know, an abusive yeah. relationship with my business. And um, I wrote an outline for it and talked to a book coach and you know, we kind of talked things through and I was like, okay, I'm going to write this book. Um, then I got breast cancer like two, mm-hmm. I got a di- diagnosed with breast cancer two weeks after I came back from training with Brene in 2019. I'm like, well, this sucks. Yeah. Um and through the whole thing, I kept thinking, well, now I'll have time to write my book. That was naive. Um, <laughs> but it just wouldn't go away. It just yeah. would not go away. So finally I just let myself have what I needed to write the book, and that was to um work with a editor that could help me. Um, she had the outline and she would talk to me and ask me questions and I would verbally give her the answers and then she would capture them. So once I gave my inner kiddo what she needed to get this all out in the way that she could get it out, instead of holding myself responsible for I I have to write the whole thing myself, you know, then it it finally I was able to get it out of my brain and into a book and it's, it's done really well for this little book. Like I get, I have great reviews and it's, it's changed a lot of people's lives. So I'm really glad that I stuck to it and gave myself what I needed to get it out into the world as opposed to holding myself accountable to, you know, that I have to be some fantastic writer. So
0: do you, in the book, does it address this childhood trauma piece as a, like a, I don't know, trigger to Mm. struggles in our business? Yeah, a little
1: bit. Yeah. It doesn't go into the great detail I do in my programs around um, the anatomy of a traumatized business and those type of things, but it, it does. And it's really centered on what I call my love your business process. And, yeah. um, but yeah, it does, it does talk about it.
0: Um, so if somebody's listening and wants to find that book, where can they find it?
1: It's on Amazon.
0: Okay. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect.
1: Kindle so, and hardback or like paper. I don't have an audible or audio version yet
0: but people can grab it there. Yeah. Now I know you offer a couple of different types of courses and mm-hmm. support and coaching. If someone's listening to this and saying like, okay, maybe, I, maybe there's some stuff here for me to to deal with. What would be kind of a good place for them to start with you?
1: I think the book, I mean, you can go to my website, nicole.lewis-keeper.com and poke around a little bit. I'm also on TikTok at the business therapist, if you like TikTok. But I always say that, you know, my book is a really great place to start. It gives you, there are exercises at the end of every chapter to get you thinking.
0: Okay.
1: Um, It is the foundation of the work that I do now. Um, So I would always say start there. Um, There's also the three wives, which is a piece of the work I do. I did, I wrote an ebook Um, And did a little bit of a course around. I think it's like 12 bucks. It's not expensive. And that's um, on my website as well. So those are the two places I ask people to start. Yeah. And when they work with me one-on-one, I get, send them the book and I was like, read this, look at this, you know, because it's important for you to understand.
0: And, and we'll definitely have links to your website and, and yeah. your social media. Um, I know you also have a link that
1: we're going to be sharing about um, a masterclass
0: that you that you offer. Can you share a little bit about that?
1: I do. I was kept being asked to create a masterclass around that trauma and entrepreneurship connection that I talk about. Yeah. Um, and so I did. I have a free masterclass. It's called the Trauma and Entrepreneurship Connection. And in it, I go into more detail about the connection I see, the research that I did. I do let people know how I work with people around this and the programs that I have and one-on-one, but it's not like a hard sell type of thing. Yeah. Um, it's really just to kind of let people know what this work is and how it can be done in the world. Sure. So, but it's great. Um, got a lot of really good feedback on it. It's easy to download.
0: And um, we'll have that also linked in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Nicole, I have really enjoyed getting to talk with you today. And I I feel like I could just listen to you <laughs> just talk and, and and share about this. Um, this will definitely not be the last time we have you on the show. Is there anything else that you would want to kind of leave our listeners with in thinking about the work that that we've been talking about?
1: Yeah. You are your most important employee, whether it's mm-hmm. just you, you are the most important person in your business.
0: Yeah. You yeah.
1: are the most important person.
0: Yeah. We need to hear that more often and believe Mm it. Well, thank you so, so, so much for being here today. And, um, I really, really hope listeners take away as much as I have just in getting to chat with you live here today. And like I said, this will definitely not be the last that we hear from you. Thank you for having me. That's great. Thank you so much for listening to the raise to empower podcast. Check the show notes for all links and resources mentioned in the show. If you found today's episode helpful or inspiring, be sure to share it with your therapist friends. And don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave your five-star rating and review. It truly means so much to me and will help us get our message of empowerment out to other women and mom clinicians. And I'd love to connect with you in our Facebook community. So check out the show notes for the link or head to bit.ly forward slash raise to empower to join us. I'll see you back here next week.